What is this? Fails. Fails. Well, excuse me, princess. Just shut up and listen. And listen good, chief. This is not a drill. Your words are as empty as your soul. But enough talk. How about you? When we find that media, we'll find Dr. Wowie. Welcome to When All Else Fails, an internet radio show for video game advice. I am your host, Eric M. Hunter. Welcome back to another glorious edition of this fine program. For those who of you who are listening for the first time, you've got nine other episodes to listen to, so please stop what you're doing. Go download the other nine. Listen to those. So you can feel the true evolution of this show and how awesome it's become now that it is uh, this show. It'd be like a game. Collect points for every time you listen to a new episode. So if you go back and re-listen to an old episode, you get not as many points as you would the first time. It'd be like a mini game. Mini games are new, right? That's a new new induction in, in video games today. There didn't used to be mini games. It was just, you know, the game, never really a game within a game. It's kind of a new concept. Uh, first time I can remember playing like a game like that would be probably Tekken on the first PlayStation. PlayStation 1, PSX when it was re-released, PS Uno for you Spanish speakers out there. PlayStation Uno, L, play, L, L PlayStation o, Uno. Ah, I just sound like a stupid white man, which is exactly what I am. Um. So anyway, Tekken, as the game was loading, uh, you could actually play an entirely different game, which was Galaga, I think. Was it Galaga or Galaxian? I always get Galaga and Galaxian confused. I don't know why. They're both great shooter games. I suggest you play all of them. Anywho, it was the first time I actually played a game in a game before. Because after that, I mean, it kind of became... The norm, you know, finding the mini games like first they were like little maybe not cheats, but, you know, like hidden little troves in a different game. Um, ones that are coming to mind would be like Primal Rage. OK, so for those who haven't played Primal Rage, there was a couple of fun hidden mini games, hidden gems. Mm, that's a term I'm trying to erase from my memory. Couple of little hidden troves, pieces of, uh, <laughs> you know, just fun little tidbits. That's what we'll call them. Fun little tidbits uh, inside the game. For instance, in Primal Rage, uh, you could play a bowling game if you've selected a certain character and uh, there's these little humans. You play it as giant dinosaurs and monkeys or apes. Again, not playing that game. Whatever genus and species they come from, they are ape like creatures or monkey like or gorillas. Uh, if you had a certain one of the certain dinosaurs had like a roll move, if you rolled and you hit one of the humans uh, that came out into the play field so many times that you ended up playing bowling. That was a mini game. The other one was uh, you could when the human came out, you can kind of like swat it up in the air. And then if you hit it back and forth between you and the other player, uh, it would be like you would it would start playing like a volleyball game. Maybe it's more like badminton just because. Volleyball, it requires more people than just one, usually two to play volleyball. Whereas in badminton, you could just play one, you know, one V one on badminton. I mean, there's teams in badminton. Badminton's a sport in the Olympics. Like that blows my mind. There was a big to do about that a few years back in the Olympics where like, I think it was the Korean, the South Korean team was basically trying to lose. 
so they wouldn't play another country. I can't remember. That was a strange thing. Anyway, mini games. We're talking mini games. Before that, there wasn't really any mini games. So you kind of had to come up with your own mini games. You know, like uh, one of my favorite mini games to play is the Uncover the Map mini game. And, you know, those those fans out there who play like a lot of adventure games and action adventure games like Legend of Zelda is a perfect example of this, uh, specifically Link's Awakening for the Game Boy, Game Boy Color. The map that you pull up that shows the entire world that you get to play in is completely black until you, you know, uncover it or go to that section on the map. And then as you play, you realize that there's parts of the map that, you know, takes a little uh, more traversing to get to. Uh, either needing a new weapon or an item to do so, or maybe you need to pick up that stupid rooster uh, and fly over the, that chasm. It used to drive me insane because you would think that you could take the rock feather and the boots and the Pegasus boots, equip both of them and be able to, to run, get a good running start and jump and hit it at an angle just so that you can skip that chasm. And sometimes you can actually pull it off. Like it's like a frame perfect trick. But the way you're supposed to do is that stupid rooster that you wish you had for the rest of the game, but you don't. You just have him for that short while because that's why he's stupid, stupid rooster. So that, you know, the uncovering the map, that's a that was always a fun mini game of mine. Um, it's just, you know, trying to do weirder things in games that the games aren't really intended to weren't intended to, to do. You know? Um, uh, you know, me and my brother, we used to we, we played a ton of Super Mario Kart back in the day for the Super NES. Just a ton of Super Mario Kart. And for whatever reason, we thought it would be fun if we had places on certain maps that we would uh, designate as home and as and at work. So <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. So you'd pull up like Mario Circuit one uh, on a multiplayer game, a two player game. And like there would be there would be sections of the map where it would either it would be kind of closed off or it'd be come to like a corner. And for whatever reason, we would dignify certain spots, certain locations on the map as like, this is our home or this is me at work. And basically all we would do would be drive to those spots on the map and then just park it, just park your cart and just let the game idle. And it's like, Oh, I, I mean, I'm at work. I can't do anything. You know, I, I have, I have to be at work right now. It's work time. And then when work time was over, you would, you know, you would, turn around and you'd go home to whatever location on the map that you signified as home. Like we, t- we did all kinds of dumb things that, you know, like either the game was never intended to do, or you probably shouldn't do. Obviously we were brothers and we always had to, you know, draw the line down the, the middle of the room on practically everything. Like I remember debating and arguing over who was going to be on my street fighter two team. So for whatever reason, we, we decided that the the character selection and Street Fighter 2 had to be, you know, cut down the middle. Like you couldn't play a certain characters because they were on, you know, that other person's team. So, you know, the first obvious choice was Ryu and Ken. I took Ken because he again, he is still the better Street Fighter when it comes to the two of them. And, you know, he took Ryu. I remember there there being a like a there's a, a huge debate over Guile um, and Blanca. I liked Blanca mainly just because of the character he was not. I didn't like any of his moves. Like I felt he was too slow. And then like the electric uh, electrocution attack was f- neat, but it was like, it was like he haunted he haunt. It was, it was like E Honda's 100 hand slap. Like you're, I mean, you're just jamming the button. That's, you know, where's the strategy? Like you, the other person can hear the, the move coming. You know what I mean? So you're just jamming your thumb on that button to get the move off. But I don't, yeah, I don't know why we ever did that. Like, I don't And it would, it would get to that point where it'd be like, we would have to trade like halfway through the season. So you draft your team at the beginning of the season 
And then halfway through it, it's like, you know, Chen Li's not really doing it for me anymore. Nobody wanted Zangief. That's what it was, man. Nobody wanted Zangief. We couldn't figure out how to pull off that pile driver move. Uh, he was slow and very lumbering. And it was just like, no, you take Zangief. I'm like, no, you take Zangief. I'm like, no, you, you're taking Zangief. All right, I'll give, I'll take Zangief if you give me Guile. And I, I, you know, I won't try any uh, fancy stuff with E Honda, you know. That's what it ended up being. Those were the games that we would play because apparently the game itself was just never good enough. Let's start us off with a slick question. Dear fails, I just had some new neighbors move in across the street from me. Being the nice people that we are, my partner and I made a small welcoming basket and dropped it off to them. We started chatting and they have a small child, probably about four or five, that noticed my Legend of Zelda t-shirt. We started talking about video games and I mentioned that I had a decent collection. He asked if he could come over and play sometime, and I said, sure, anytime. Only after leaving did I realize what I had done. I don't mind him coming over to play games, but I had given him an open invitation to come over anytime. What's a nice way to let this kid know that he can't come over whenever he wants? Signed, maybe not so neighborly? Anytime. I mean, you put it out there. You said anytime. I mean, if if it were me at five years old and my neighbor said, hey, BTW, I have a pretty decent collection. Oh, can I come over and play? Sure, anytime. Boom. Words matter, especially to a five-year-old, and even more so now that I'm 30. Oh, my God. How old am I? 32? 30? I'll be 33 this year. I'm getting old. Words matter. But you want to tell him no? You want to tell him that, that he can't come over anytime? I mean, at this point, you should be heading off the Home Depot and making him his own key for the back door to get into, you know, to be able to play whenever he wants. Do you go back over with like some lame excuse and be like, oh, hey, I forgot to add this to the welcoming basket. Oh, by the way, tell your snot nosed kid that he can't come over any time that it's he's only allowed to be designated in my house to play video games from this time to this time. And he has to have a signed permission slip. I mean, come on. We're you said it. You said any time. I don't know. I kind of want to side with the kid on this one. Granted, you know, I'm obviously imagining both me as a 32. That's what I said, right? 32 years old. Yeah, that's what I said. 32 year old welcoming me five year old me neighbor saying, hey, anytime you can come over and play. I mean, how often are you playing these games? How often are you like, are you playing them right now? Are you playing them right now as you're listening to this podcast? Because if you are, I mean, you could easily just, you know, walk over to the neighbor and say, hey, kid, I'm playing games and listening to the sweet podcast. You should come on over and listen and let's play. I mean, if you're not on those bad boys 24 seven. You know, spreading the love's a nice thing to do. Is he a dirty kid? Is he got sticky hands? Maybe just tell him to wear gloves, you know, or make sure, you know, he washes up before he heads over. Uh, are you afraid that he's going to invite more neighbor kids? I mean, if that's the case, you should charge cover. I would definitely charge a cover, you know, like the local arcade near me is like 10 bucks for two hours. You could probably stick around for two and a half, three hours. Nobody's really paying attention. All the games are free to play, except for the the pinball games. They're really big about pinball games, man. That All those high score runners. I don't get it. I mean, I love pinball, but I'm just not a high score runner. I just can't do it. It's just not me. It's not in my blood. You don't. I don't have pinball blood. And that's just blood you're born with. You know, that's just blood that you're born with. So how do you let this kid know? What's a nice way to let this kid know that he can't come over whenever? Man. I mean, I'm going to side with this kid. Like, I really think that maybe. OK, so if you start charging cover, that'll probably at least limit his time to come over. Especially if you have to hire a bouncer. I mean, that's, that stuff gets expensive. You know, those bouncers aren't cheap, man. Especially like the really, really big guys. 
Like we're talking roadhouse big, you know, like that's those guys are expensive, especially if they're busy doing other projects like other movies like Roadhouse 2 or Roadhouse 3, maybe even Roadhouse 4. I mean, that's those are contractual obligations that they have to make ahead of time. You know, like it's a whole it's you know, it's just like the 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 Marvel Universe. I mean, that's those contracts can be darn near for life, you know, so that's expensive. That's an expensive thing, you know. Maybe you should have him sign a contract. Be like, hey, cool. here's what, you know, quote unquote, anytime means. Get your lawyer out there and, you know, give, throw some legalese at this five-year-old and really make his head spin. You know, you could do that. That's a nice way of doing it. That way, you know, you're still you're still out there. You're still giving back to the community in a regulated sense. I mean, you got the lawyer there. You got the contracts and it's got to sign it. Got to adhere to it. If not, you know, and then there's going to be court cases. There's going to be jurisdictions. There's going to be uh matlock it it gets messy so maybe if you explain to him what the quote-unquote anytime means that could definitely limit his time so i'm thinking you should probably go do, do the bouncer route get the even if they're doing roadhouse eight it's you're gonna you're gonna be happy in the long run so uh-oh uh-oh Welcome to the Mega Man Minute. This is a uh, it's a show within a show. For those who listened to the last episode, I got a great email from a good friend of mine, Eddie V. I we had basically come together uh, in a in a central mindset that I needed to go back and replay all the eight bit Mega Man games and finally rank which ones are best. So. Welcome to the Mega Man Minute. I decided um, that I p- to play to get that started today. So from here until I f- play all those games, we're going to do this show within the show. So I played Mega Man 1, and it's currently sitting in the number one spot since it's the only Mega Man I've played so far. So, All right, let's head into a game fact. This comes from the Road Rash Sega Genesis board entitled, Why Aren't You Allies with Helldog and Officer O'Connor? From GameFAQs users, Flippo Sua. Flippio Sua. I like that. Flippio Sua. Whenever I'm playing Road Rash 1 on the Sega Genesis straight out of 1991, I am giving Natasha, presumably the player's female friend, Slater, former skater turned rasher kid, Akira, the Elvis looking dude, and Sergio, the fancy eclectic rasher. As the player's allies, according to the pre-race comments, while the player's enemies are Biff, Helldog, Officer O'Leary, the rookie cop, Officer O'Rourke, the cop who tries to shame you, Flynn, the no-nonsense cop, Officer O'Shea, who is a former rasher turned cop, and Officer O'Connor, the female cop who is presumably the lover of Helldog or something. Why aren't we allies with Helldog and O'Connor? Well, I mean, those they're your enemies. One. Two, uh, Biff isn't going to be there all the time because sometimes he's busy waxing cars or, you know, getting punched in the face or very rudely touching a female. Um, sometimes he's actually running an entire empire that consists of a hotel casino chain uh, and a, you know, a post-apocalyptic 1985. So that's my, you know, that's just off the top is what I'm thinking. That's why Biff isn't, you know. So Helldog 
and Officer O'Connor, if they are presumably lovers, then they want to keep that under wraps, okay? Because Helldog is still a rasher, you know? Like, he's still out there rashing it up, which is completely against the law and road rash. So if Officer O'Connor has some sort of, you know, romantic connection with this rasher, I mean, she still has to uphold the law. She still has to do her duty as a police officer in this fictional world. And that's kind of what makes it more spicy on her end. She doesn't have time to be your ally, you know, like she's got so much going on right now. I mean, she's constantly dodging Flynn again, who is a no nonsense cop, but she can still relate to Officer O'Shea because he is a rasher turned cop. So he gets it. He gets the, you know, the, the fuel and the fire and the desire you get from being out on the road and rashing it up with the rest of the racers and dodging traffic and, you know, knocking people out with chains and baseball bats and generally punching people in the face while driving 80 to 90 miles an hour in a crowded city. It's just a rush of adrenaline. She's got a lot going on right now. And let's be honest, Helldog doesn't have a lot for him. Like he's got, he doesn't have a lot. If his if his head came attached, he'd probably lose it. I think that's the expression. He likes to lose things. There's just a whole another story going on there. Like that's the story that it that Road Rash is telling under. It's the B plot. It's the underlying jeopardy that you can kind of tag in and out on because like that's the that is going on on its own. Regardless of what you're doing on the left side, on the right side is a super crazy trifecta. It's, it's Officer O'Connor and she's she's got this love interest with Helldog, but yeah, she has her duty to uphold and like she's got the law on her side, but sometimes she bends it and breaks it for these rashers and then gets it's a it's a steamy love story. They don't have to be your allies. You don't need them as allies. They've got their own important stuff going on. On top of that, you have any idea how many times you smashed her in the head with the chain? How many times you've knocked Helldog in the back of the leg with a baseball bat? Why on earth would they be allies with you? You're a terrible human being in this game. You can't just go fast. This isn't Sonic. You got to beat them up while you're at it, man. You don't need them. And they don't need you. Okay, it's about that time to head off into the treasure chest. All right, so first of all, I want to thank everybody who was uh, inputting last time. Um, it, it's obviously this whole space is for you guys to, you know, send me anything you want to send me, promote anything you got going on. It doesn't necessarily have to be video game related, but uh, obviously I like video games. I think you guys like video games too. Uh, but, you know, again, this space is just to promote anything that you got going on freely or somebody else's work or um, that kind of thing. So, unfortunately, uh, we came up just a little bit dry this time around. So, I have to dive back in to poorly reviewed video games on Steam. This one, I am happy to announce, is Flat Out 3 Chaos and Destruction with an overwhelmingly negative review count of 1,651, developed by Team 6 Studios, published by Strategy First. I don't even know if those are actually real companies. They just sound like shell company names. Um, this one stuck out to me, not only because it's just overwhelmingly negative with 1,600 reviews, but also one of the four uh, tags for this product uh, is memes. Apparently that's a tag on Steam now. Memes? Memes. That's something I look at my video games. I want memes in my video games. 
Get your hands off my memes. Let's gonna since it's a driving game, maybe we should. Uh, uh, I don't know. Try to. I think it's something interesting to put back here. This comes from uh, uh, thirteen point nine hours of play. Do not buy if you expect flat out. I played flat out Ultimate Carnage and flat out two a lot. And someday I saw flat out three on sale for around five dollars. Totally blinded by the awesomeness of the previous flat-out games by Bugbear. I ran into this trap without checking what I was actually buying. After playing maybe like 30 minutes, I was really disappointed since I expected something like a worthy successor for Ultimate Carnage, which Fallout 3 clearly is not. I uninstalled the game and considered this my worst game investment ever. Some years later, I installed the game again and played it for some hours to get some of the achievements and I came across this conclusion. If you expect a flat out as you used to know, do not buy three exclamation points. Well, if you expect a game that looks like a bad Fallout clone and it's not perfect at all, then you could maybe enjoy this one. It's actually fun to play, to be honest, but you need some time to get used to it. You always have to tell yourself that this is not flat out. At least there is a game mode that puts you in a splatter car, telling you to kill some zombies on the road. Every game is better with zombies, and so is Flat Out 3. If the game wouldn't be called Flat Out, it would be something not that good car game. I wouldn't recommend it either, but as a part of the Flat Out game series, it feels like a malicious deception to make some money with the good name of Flat Out. So I find it funny that this player bought the game for $5 on sale. And the game typically retails for $10. So he got 50% off. He played it for 30 minutes and then deleted it. Uninstalled it from his computer. Then years later, installed it again and played it for quote unquote some hours just to get some achievements. This person's got almost 14 hours into this game. What? What is the mindset behind that? Are these achievements that important? This other review is 0.3 hours on record. Not recommended. Comment? Absolutely disgusting. That's all I need. Give me the amount of time. It's very minimal. You obviously didn't like the game. Not for you. Next one. 0.2 hours on record. Uninstalled after 10 minutes. But not this guy. This guy went back years later to reinstall the game. And play it for, again, some hours, which apparently equals 14, just to get some achievements and come to the conclusion that it is a bad game. Thank you, Mr. Reviewer. Thank you. Oh, another question. After your last episode about getting back in shape, it's given me the motivation to take my own health and fitness into my hands. Do you have any sage advice or video game inspired workout routines to really get me going? Signed, Getting Ripped at Los Santos Gym. Video game related fitness routines. Now I will say first and foremost, I am an absolute expert when it comes to video game inspired fitness routines. One, if it's been a while since you've worked out, I'm going to recommend the Super Mario Brother workout routine. It's fairly simple. Uh, basically just involves you eating mushrooms, um, going down in pipes, hitting your head on some coin blocks. That's about it. Maybe fight a turtle or two. 
Stay away from the dragons. Just dodge under them. That's not a bad one to kind of get you going. Um, the other ones you could probably think of as you move on, you know, you could do the Yoshi workout, which is a very similar to the the Mario workout. But instead of eating just mushrooms, you pretty much eat everything. Uh, and then you poop eggs. So that's um, that's the Yoshi workout, which on the opposite of that would be the Kirby workout, which equals eating everything and then getting so high that you just fly in the air. That's a that's another workout that's possible for you if that's something that you're interested in. There's the Mega Man workout. The Mega Man workout would be, uh, you know, just eating like circuit boards, stealing the the souls and powers of other people, and then using them against other people for their weaknesses. So you know that's a popular one. There's the Simon Belmont workout where you get wicked good with a whip, and then you know you go after basically a you know 10th century vampire in the sake of your family's name so somewhere in between there you probably need to do a sidestep and you know go be some crappy cartoon character for a minute or two so that's the that'd be the you know the simon belmont castlevania workout so there's the the ninja gaiden ryu workout now the this one is like the very intense like top tier closest equivalent to you know the the normies out there would be like a crossfit so the first thing you need to do is like get prepared so you need to go like you know like to the flea market and get a bunch of mall ninja gear you know like you got to get your nunchucks you got to get your katana swords you got to get your throwing stars you need to get the uh the mask the shoes okay the next thing you need to do would be just to talk to everybody about the workout, you know, talk about how, you know, you're doing the, the Ninja Gaiden workout and how intense it is and try to find other people who are doing the workout. It's a lot of climbing. You have to learn some magic spells. I mean, this is top tier stuff. You know, this isn't anything. This isn't just, you know, this isn't a couch to 5K thing. Like, you know, this is a couch to intense workout for 40 years now kind of a thing. So but talking about it's the important like you just need to talk to everybody about this Ninja Gaiden workout and how you're doing it and how you're loving it. And how hard it is and how it's like soul stretching. That's that's a big one. That's a that's a big one there. That's that's I know that's a popular one. Or at least I hear a lot of people talking about it. That's everybody talks about this Ninja Gaiden workout. Kind of makes me want to do it. But you got to know somebody, you know, like you got to get somebody in there to like mirror you. Sometimes you need to work out in the rain. There's these birds that will fly down and these really awkward patterns that you can't really do a lot about. For those who do the Castlevania, the the Simon Belmont workout will get the same kind of idea, you know, like that. That's kind of like your stepping stone into it. Like the the, it's the Medusa heads that come at you, you know, like that's a you know dodging and weaving. That's a tough one. There's the Sonic workout where it's just a lot of running. You just try to go as fast as you can. Sooner or later, you realize that this big fat dude with a bald head and a nasty mustache is actually faster than you, which is kind of weird because you're supposed to be the fastest around. But, you know, you got huge goals and, the you know, the that golden ring out there, big golden ring uh, to try to get at, you know, so that's a the Sonic one. That's a good one. Uh, kind of eases you in, you know, because it's just running for the most part. Um, and it's good for the, you know, the community, the environment too, because along the way, you know, you're saving little animals at the same time. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a neat, like dual action thing that you're doing there. So you, you know, you're getting in shape and you're doing good for your community and the, and the, the animal population. So that's a good one to start out. Start out with the Sonic routine. That's, that'll get you going. That'll get you, you know, that'll get you fast. Ooh, we got another game fact. This one comes from the Allison in Wonderland board for the Game Boy Color titled what is the purpose of the magic pots it's from game facts user indie glow 
Which is actually a, a pretty neat name. Let me see if that, uh... Go see if that domain's available, IndieGlow. Whoa, IndieGlow.com is a premium $3,300! No, thank you. Good luck getting that name, IndieGlow. I've been playing this game on an emulator, and after discovering all eight hidden pots, it appears that nothing happens. Have I missed something? Are there more than four secret places? What are the purpose of these magic pots? Well, if I told you, it wouldn't be magical anymore, right? Don't you remember the hidden, the magical pots, the hidden magical pots in Allison in Wonderland through the looking glass, the book? I, I don't either. I think maybe one of the characters was hidden in them, you know? But what is the purpose? Nothing happens when you collect them. Something does happen when you collect them. You collected them. Congratulations. I mean, that's for you. This is for you. You collected all eight. There aren't there aren't any more. That's it. You just collected them. Don't be upset. Be happy. You've accomplished something. What more do you want? You want extra gaming content? Nobody wants extra content. They just want things that they can collect meticulously. And then once they're done collecting them, that's it. They've been collected. Just be happy. Be happy that they were there for you to collect. Because if they weren't there to collect them, then what would you do? What would you collect if they weren't there for you to collect them in this game? They're happy you collected them. Trust me. They are extremely happy to be collected. There's nothing to miss except for, you know, breaking the law, playing it on an emulator, which don't know if you can hear that, but I'm contacting the authorities on my keyboard. It's a long web address. Yeah. Indie Glow premium domain for $3,300. Ridiculous. Playing on emulators, wanting more out of than just collecting magical pots. Come on. Let's be real here. It's Allison in Wonderland. She is literally in Wonderland. It's right there in the title. What can happen in Wonderland? Anything. Anything happens in Wonderland. You don't need anything else to happen. You collect the hidden pots. Congratulations. There's eight of them. There are no more than the four secret places. Boom. Game done. Want more? Who wants more? Nobody wants more game. Not even the game. The game's enough. The game's like, hey, I'm full. This is enough. Four megabytes? Ooh, who are we kidding here? All these colors? Ugh. This palette just makes me want to vomit green, blue, red, and all the other 32 colors that are in the Game Boy Color palette. That's there's. I don't know how many colors are in a Game Boy Color palette. Somebody's going to contact me on Twitter about that. You know what? Contact me on Twitter. If you know how many colors are in the palette Game Boy Color. That's how many colors I just puked. Ugh. The side of... Ugh. Indie glow. What are you glowing about now? I got angry for this one. I don't know why. Apologize. Maybe that's what the ang maybe that's what the magic pots do. They make you angry. If you collect them all, you just get mad, frustrated. That's what they're for. You didn't miss anything. So for the anger, which you now passed on to me. That's a goal. All right, that's going to about do it for us. Uh, of course, I would like to tell you that we are part of the Capital Idea Radio Podcasting Network. For more great shows like this one, please visit capitalidearadio.com. If you'd like to help form this show and the others, uh, you can email goes to mail at capitalidearadio.com. Uh, I've been asked what sort of mail we should like to see. Uh, Obviously, if you need video game advice, you can clearly send that there. If you find any fun or interesting game facts, you can send those as well. Uh, any ideas for uh, the new Mario power-ups? Uh, we'll take those too. I'm actually working on a PowerPoint presentation to send to Nintendo uh, so we can get some of these new power-ups in the next Mario game. So if you guys have some insights, let's hear them. 
I mean, I think I we've been pretty much knocking them out of the park recently. But you know, if you've got some ones, maybe we can collaborate. Um, also, our release schedule is being adjusted just a little bit. Um, Capital Idea Radio is getting a little bigger. Comes to releasing shows on a regular basis. So hats off to them. Currently, we're uh, being released every 15th and 30th of the month. But apparently, with so many great shows coming down the pipeline, we're being moved to the second and fourth Friday of every month. The second and fourth Friday of every month. So, of course, if you're a skirmish fog, ho ho, you're still going to be getting the show earlier. By earlier, meaning that it'll uh, show up on Monday preceding that Friday release not that's that's confusing i agree uh but apparently they're working on putting a calendar up on capital ideas website so you can check that out whenever it goes up um this month i think we're in the clear but next month second and fourth friday second and fourth friday of every month one final mario power up red flavored candy that ends up being strawberry and not cherry you want to talk about breaking a little kid's heart. I am Eric M. Hunter giving out elbow bumps and squashing chumps when all else fails. You were almost a Jill sandwich. Capital idea. Creating some of the best audio entertainment to put in your ear holes. At least, we think so.